0: If you have a Bible with you, which I hope you do, turn to Romans 12. If you don't have a good Bible at home, if you just have the giant coffee table one that makes it difficult to read or difficult to carry around with you, get one at Guest Connections. Take that for free and take that home with you today. We're in, a, a week, we're in week three of a four-week series that we're calling Living 3D. In this series, we're working through the image that's on the back of your program, and uh, we'll see if it's any clearer up on the screen. The past couple weeks, it's been kind of foggy. It's going to shake. Maybe you'll want to just look at your piece of paper instead because that's not shaking or look off your neighbor uh, and their image. But we're looking at that that image on the back of the program, spending four weeks talking about the mission and vision of the church and call us to a renewed focus on the type of people the Lord has called us to, the practices that we live out as those people, and then the postures that we are committed to living as we go through this life. Week one, we answer the question, why does Crosspoint exist? We, we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. Then last week, John did a great job encouraging us in those first three people's, people and practices, the followers who repent and believe, disciples who learn and grow, and members who one another. Next week, we'll be looking at that bottom part of that image that we, those three postures we're calling them, centered on the gospel, anchored to the word, dependent on the spirit. Today, we're finishing up this circular trip on this Living 3D image and looking at the final three people and practices that as Christians we are to be workers who serve and sacrifice, worshipers who give and live, and disciple makers who show and tell. I'm going to spend the majority of my time talking about worshipers and workers because the first week we dealt with disciple makers quite a bit. One of our prayers for this series is that it grows us in unity. Unity in our understanding of what spiritual growth looks like, giving us a picture of that. Unity in our relationships with one another. Because we all come from different backgrounds, so we need to be reminded that what unifies us is not affinity or background, but what unifies us is the good news of Jesus. And then finally, unity of mission. That as a church, we are about making disciples of Jesus. We want to bring God glory. And that's what we're going to give ourselves. That mission is what we're going to give ourselves to in the coming Months and years. So last week, John did a great job taking us to John 15 and reminding us of two things our union with Christ and our communion with Christ. It was a reminder to us that, of this identity that we have in Jesus. The New Testament repeatedly calls it being in Christ. In Christ, we are justified, saved, loved, forgiven, redeemed. In Christ, we're a new creation. In Christ, we are united. As God's people. We've talked about this before. The idea is not original to me. I have no idea who came up with it. But we've talked about that out of identity flows our activity. So, for example, out of my identity as a husband flows the activity to love my wife, to speak words of love, to listen to her, to uh, serve around the house, to pray for her, to provide for her. Out of my identity as a father, leads to activity of loving and raising my kids and investing in their lives and spending time with them and engaging in both easy and difficult conversations. Out of my identity as a coach, I'm going to show up. It's okay. It's not going to blow away. And if it does, we suddenly have a sunroof, okay? (laughs) But out of my identity as a coach, I'm going to show up to practice with a plan. I'm going to show up to game with a plan. Out of my internal identity I possess flows external activity as a result. So if I claim to know and follow Jesus and have this inward faith and trust in Him, this union and communion, which John talked about last week, then that should result in external differences in my life. Activity that looks like Jesus. The Bible picture of this is roots and fruits. So if we are rooted in Christ rooted in the Spirit of God, then what should result is bearing fruit. For instance, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. The fruit reveals the root. An apple on a tree reveals that it's an apple tree. This is why it's deeply confusing and a terrible witness to the watching world when out of one side of our mouths... We say, oh, I'm a Christian. But then we look at our way of life and go, um, I just see no evidence of that. You claim that the, your root is in Christ. I see no fruit of that in your life. Out of, our, out of our identity flows our activity. It's never the other way around. So when it comes to our faith in Jesus, it's never, it's never religious activity leading to inward identity. That is a works-based religion. It is this idea of, okay, do these 10 things, do these 10 things, and then you'll become acceptable to God. Oh, you messed up? Okay, Uh, do those 10 things and add one more. Uh, Oh, you messed up again? Okay, you got to work harder at this. You got to do these 10 things and add three more things and add three more things, and maybe, maybe you'll get back into the divine, divine's good graces if our faith is, work, is based on works, it is a never-ending cycle of enslavement, disappointment, and defeat. If we think that external religious activity could somehow lead to internal saving faith, this is seriously the first time I've ever, it's ever been this bad. <laughs> this is awesome. I wish I had a... like. We had a center aisle. This is the kind of day that the church wants the center aisle. We're going to say, Come as you are. We're going to say it 12 times because people are coming to the Lord today. Okay? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> if we think external religious activity could somehow lead to internal activity or internal identity in Christ, we look no further than the Old Testament and see that that leads to perpetual defeat. Because that was the Israelites. And what the Lord revealed to them, what the Lord reveals to us is that what needs to change is not something externally, but something internally. What needs to change is is our hearts a transformation of the hearts. What we proclaim and believe here at Crosspoint is the gospel of God's grace. Grace that not only saves, but also transforms and changes us. Grace that doesn't leave us the same. Listen to the progression in Ephesians 2. This progression from inward faith to outward good works. Ephesians 2, 8-10 For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. If we're saved by works we'd somehow turn that into a competition. Or at least I would. But in fact, we'd all lose because we've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us have measured up to His perfection. Scripture makes that clear. And then notice this progression. We're saved by grace through faith. You've received this beautiful gift of salvation from the Lord, not just so that you can gain eternal life, but so that you can do good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Inward faith leading to external good works. The book of James talks about this, that a living faith leads to works. That a faith without works is dead. But you don't obtain faith in Christ by doing a lot of things. You obtain faith in Christ through repentance and faith. It's a one-way street. Faith leading to works. I say all that To keep reminding our hearts and lives that the practices that we're talking about in these six things around the circle are because of the people we are in Christ. In each of these six people and practices, there's a significant amount of external activity. Like disciples who learn and grow, we're actually having to open up our Bibles. We're going to have to pray. There's external activity to that. Members who want another. This is one uh, application of that is well, we're going to prioritize this gathering. We're going to prioritize gathering with other believers the other six days of the week. There's activity involved. Today, there's activity involved, but it's, a lot of it's outward facing. But we do it out of this internal identity that we have in Jesus. Following that, Ephesians 2, 8-10 progression. In Romans 12, we see that same progression as we turn our attention now to these final two people and practices. We're not going to deal with them in order, so hopefully that doesn't cause you to twitch. Uh, We're going to deal with worshipers first, then workers, because that's the flow of Romans 12. Listen to the first two verses, talking about worshipers who give and live first. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to the age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. From chapters 1 through 11, Paul has been teaching on the mercies of God. Just this quick flyover of some of the things that the Holy Spirit has inspired him to write in those first 11 chapters. Specifically, chapter 8, he, he says things like, In Christ there's no condemnation. In Christ, you can live according to the Spirit rather than the flesh. In Christ, you've been given the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. You've been adopted. Even in suffering, he says, we can hope. You've been given the Spirit who is our helper, our counselor, interceding for us. In all things, he says, God is working, conforming, and using all things to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. At the end of Romans 8, he says that in Christ, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. Hardship, even death. And all of that is by grace. It's not something we work for. It's by grace and through faith. It's not by works, but something we receive. The fact that we were dead, lost, separated, unrighteous, and yet the Lord makes a way for us to be made alive, found, joined, To be made clean is the mercy of God. His goodness toward us. And Paul is saying in verse 1, Therefore, in view of the mercies of God that you have received, that you continue to receive, live this way. Live in light of the good news that you have both believed in, taken your stand in. In view of the mercies of God, don't fall back into the patterns of this world. In light of all this mercy... Past, present, and future. He's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Bring your entire life, not just your physical body, but your entire life. Bring it to the altar. And let your life be lived as worship to the one who has shown you mercy. This is an ongoing practice. This presenting of our bodies is not, oh, I did that when I got saved. I did that when I walked the aisle. I did that when I checked the box. No, this is ongoing, rest of your life, all of life. I've been bought with a price. It's now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In view of the mercies of God, we are worshipers. Worshipers who give and live. You and I are worshipers not just when we stand and sing, not just when we give an offering, not just when we are with other believers, but you and I are worshipers this week when we go into a workplace when we look at our phones, when we relate to our loved ones, when we deal with the consumer issue that you have, when you go to school, when you walk into that class, when you go to that event for your kid, when you walk into that party, we are worshipers. All of our lives, 24-7, is worship to our God who has shown us great mercy. So when Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's commanding us to live our entire lives, not compartmentalized, not siloed off, but all of life as worship. And what we see in verses 1 and 2 is that a life of worship to the one true God then resists or rejects conforming to the pattern of this world. Instead, it seeks to be conformed to the pattern of Christ. Into the image and character of Jesus. The word transformed there in verse 2 only shows up one other time in the New Testament. It's found in 2 Corinthians 3.19. It's the same idea that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus by the Spirit of the Lord, and it's going to happen over our entire life, and it's going to happen daily. So one thing that Paul is saying here is that to worship the Lord, to give and live for him in all ways, it's going to be countercultural. It shouldn't blend in. It should actually stand out. It should not look like the world that we live in. It should rather reveal that our ultimate identity is as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of this earth. That we've set our minds, our hearts on things above. We're living with eternity in view. J.B. Phillips, a Bible translator in the 20th century, paraphrased Romans 12, 1 and 2 this way. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Where are you being squeezed into the mold of the world right now? Where is there this external pressure that's seeking to try to jam you into a mold like the Play-Doh thing that we used to play with as kids? It's not a question of if you're feeling squeezed. It is where and how. No Christ follower is immune to this. Pay no attention to the random beeping in the back either, okay? Everything's fine. Your children are fine. They're in the safest, quietest place in the building. It's not a question of if you're being squeezed. It's where and how. No Christ follower is immune to this. You'll notice in verses 1 and 2 that, that the verbs there are all ongoing in nature. It does not, it is, it is not present your bodies once, but it is ongoing. It is not You know, at one point in your Christian life, You might be tempted to be conformed to this world. Now, make sure you deal with that one time really well, but you'll never deal with it again. No, it's all of life. We're going to be tempted. Long into the nursing home, you and I are going to be tempted to be conformed into the image of this world. But we're going to reject that because we're God's people. Our identity is different. In view of the mercies of God, we're going to reject that and be transformed rather into the image of God. Of Jesus, where are you being squeezed? Where are you being squeezed right now? Where are you being lulled into going down a path that leads you away from the things of the Lord? Years ago, our family was on vacation in Colorado. We were tubing down this uh, little river through uh, Steamboat Springs. The river just kind of went through the middle of town, pretty low key. A few little rapids to keep the water flowing. A fun thing to do as a family just chilling on tubes, okay? As we're on tubes, as we're going down this river, uh, what begins to happen among the family of four that we are, we become disconnected and disjointed, okay? We're approaching where the river splits. We were never told which way to go. Most people are going to the right. I would say nearly everyone is going to the right, Okay? And about that time, when that split happens, I kind of look backward. Where's my wife? Like, we're not tied up to anything, okay? Where's my wife? Oh, there's my wife, and she's going off to the left. The current is taking her that way, okay? I'm past the point of assisting and helping at this point. The two kids are with me, but my dear wife of however many years at the time is drifting off to the left, Free husbands in here, can you feel what I was feeling? Because out of my identity flows this activity. I'm supposed to love my wife and protect and lead her and there she goes (laughs) floating down this other river. I'm thinking this is not going to be a good marriage builder. This fun family time on the Yampa River, I think is what it was called, is not going to be a Yampa good time. You ever have those moments, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I can't wait for the streams to reunite, because I'm sure they will, but I'm also kind of not looking forward to when they reunite. <laughs> like, emoji-wise, my wife is this way, crying, over by herself, just floating down, and then by, by the time she gets around, those tears are both kind of sad, but they're, now they're kind of ticked. And so then it's the angry cry, me, on the other hand, just kind of like, like this, or <laughs> like that, Okay? Really quiet tube ride the rest of the way. Real quiet tube ride the family of four on the Yampa River. Some of you are being actively pressed toward conformity to the world. I ask you that question and you know exactly what it is. You know the person in your life that's trying to conform you to that way. You know the own, your, this own habit in your life, this own attitude in your life that continues to rear its head trying to conform you into the image of Christ. Others of you are just kind of passively drifting down another path, floating down this other path that isn't in view of the mercies of God, a path that will end up conforming you to this world rather than conforming you to the likeness of Christ. In view of the mercies of God, in view of how good and gracious our God has been to us, we are worshipers who give and live, worshipers who give of our lives to the Lord in every way, who give of our time, energy, money, resources because the Lord's the owner and we are simply the managers. We are worshipers who live for the one who died and rose again for us. Not in a compartmentalized way, but an all-encompassing way. In view of the mercies of God, we are also workers who serve and sacrifice. And that's where Paul goes next, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should more highly than he should think instead think sensibly as god has distributed a measure of faith to each one now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way we who are many are one body in christ and individually members of one another according to the grace given to us we have different gifts of prophecy use it in according Use it, in, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If ex, exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God that have been extended to you in light of your salvation, your new identity in Jesus, you've been called to serve and be a part of the body of Christ. You've been joined together in one body, and His grace is evident in your life through the spiritual gift or gifts that you have received. And we see here both the diversity and the unity of the body being illustrated. The human body is one metaphor throughout the New Testament talking about the local church. Take our hand, for example. Lots of different muscles, bones, tendons, ligaments, all working together to to perform one unified function of one hand. Over 20 years ago, uh, my left index finger was, uh, was involved in a table saw accident. So was the rest of my body, but my, my left, my table saw accident, it, it went through my index finger. And short of this top tendon, I think that's a tendon, maybe it's a ligament. Someone smarter than me could tell me. But short of that one, it was off. Okay? Yummy. Sorry. <laughs> but after two surgeries, it got reattached. It's kind of funny looking. It kind of points off to the Like right now, I'm not pointing at my wife. I'm really pointing at Christy right there. It's just kind of an angle thing. It's not fully functional. Like on its own, I can't pull it down and touch my palm. No amount of accessories, posters, or inspiring videos could pull that thing in there, okay? What it needs is my middle finger to pull it inward. It can come down together, but it can't come down on its own. Both fingers are unique. Index finger, middle finger, vice versa, but they need one another to function correctly. And as part of a hand, they need one another to function for that unified purpose. Listen to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Uh, speaking of, you see, diversity and unity talked about back and forth in this passage. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, places like uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, we are given examples of spiritual gifts. And if you're in Christ, you've been given the Holy Spirit who has then gifted you with a unique ability that is used for the unified purpose, for the common good, for the unified purpose of the building up of the body of Christ. Diversity of gifts, but unified in purpose. Some spiritual gifts are visible in front of, in front platform type gifts, teaching, leading. Others are behind the scenes, mercy service, for example. Both types of gifts are needed so that the body functions in a healthy, God-glorifying way. Both types of gifts need each other, like my two fingers need one another So a leadership gift needs the gift of administration. A gift of teaching needs the gift of service. A gift of mercy needs the gift of giving. Every member is doing their part so that the ministry that flows from this local body of Christ is the most effective for the lives that will serve, impact, and reach. If you're a Christ follower, you've been called to be a worker in the kingdom who serves. One commentary on this passage said this, The gospel does not produce perpetual spectators, but mobilizes hearers to to make a difference for others as God has made a difference in them. We love as He has loved us. We serve as He has served us. Again, our activity flows from our identity in Jesus. Listen to 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. If you're in Christ, you've got abilities, spiritual gifts, experiences, passions that God wants you to use to serve others for the common good. We are managers of the gifts that God has given to us. His His gifts are evidence of His grace in our lives. And so we are called to be good stewards of those gifts and not use them for our own glory, but for the Lord's. Not to make a name for ourselves, but to make much of the name of Jesus. And as you can see in this passage, we do it in the Lord's strength, out of that internal identity we have in Him. A common misconception in the local church is that the only people who minister... In the church are the staff who get paid. A few do the work of ministry, while the many watch and consume the work of ministry. But we see over and over in the New Testament, these verses being an example, that all believers are called to be workers and laborers who serve and sacrifice. I believe, church, we are moving into a season that can and will bear much fruit in ministry. Church planting is a big catalyst in moving us into the into season. But we will see fruit and we will see uh, the body of Christ being built up if we collectively say to the Lord, we're in. As local church leadership, it is our mandate in Ephesians 4 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But then there's this promise in Ephesians 4 that says, if we do that, the body of Christ is built up. It's a beautiful promise that if we equip, the body of Christ is built up, strengthened, and Jesus is glorified. And what 1 Peter 4 10 11 tells us is that one way that Jesus is glorified is through the believers who call this church home to rise up and across the board find a place and a role to serve in. We need musicians, we need people who love kids. We need people who love high school and middle school students. We need believers who say, you know what, we're going to open up our home, we're going to be hospitable, and we're going to care for a community of adults and lead a community group. We need people who love college students. We need people who are gifted to lead, teach, serve, extend mercy, administrate. Those who are called to serve in front and behind the scenes. To each one has, been, has received a gift Use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. We are to use these spiritual gifts, not hoard them. Have you ever ever watched the show Hoarders? I can't even take the commercials. I can't do it. Okay? But no one has watched a show like that and thought, that's a beautiful life right there. (laughs) No, you probably watch that show and go, man, our clutter, we're doing pretty good, Right? This is the nature of reality show. You watch it you feel better about your life and you watch some more, okay? Hoarding your gifts or just kind of sitting on the bleachers spectating the show at church, it's not glorifying to the Lord and it's not building up of the body. It's not living in view of the mercies that you have been given. If my left index finger wasn't attached. I couldn't type very well. I couldn't dribble a basketball very well. I would have limitations. It wouldn't function as well as it could. The ministry of the local church suffers. It is hindered when some individual gifted part of the body is not connected to the body. You are gifted. You are called. You are needed. Crosspoint is more glorifying to the Lord and more impactful for the people that that we serve if you engage Versus being disengaged. Romans 12. Notice that if this, or if this, then this kind of rhythm to that passage. It's never if you have a gift of leadership, go ahead and use it in the secular space, but sit on it when it comes to kingdom work. It's not that. Or, you know, put it on the shelf, but use it in other areas. No, the kingdom is all encompassing. We do kingdom work out there. We do kingdom work here. It's this church-wide call toward service and toward living for the sake of the other. Grace has been given to you. But the gifts of grace are wasted if they stop with you. If they don't move through you. His grace toward us is lavish. It's amazing. It's unending. It wasn't just at conversion. It's life-transforming. That grace is best displayed through the sacrificial death of Jesus. And we're following in His footsteps. Notice how also in this passage, Paul's going after the attitude of the servant or the worker. He's saying things like this. Don't think of yourself as separate from the body. Do see yourself as part of the body. Don't, think don't, don't see your role as, well, my role is really the epitome of the church, but rather see value in, in every member doing their part. Don't give with a stingy attitude. Give with generosity. Don't lead with apathy and laziness. Do lead with diligence. Don't show mercy begrudgingly. Do it cheerfully. There's a sacrificial nature to all of those things that he's talking about. Not just in time, money, resources. But the thing we're most sacrificing there, most sacrificing as a way of life, is us. We're sacrificing self. We're putting self onto that altar. What our selfish nature would would be inclined to do. The pattern of this world is to live for self. Make sure self calls the shots. Make sure ourselves sit on our own thrones, calling the shots in life. That we're our ultimate authority. But we're God's people. Our identity is different, and so we reject and put that thing to death because it was our selfishness was nailed to the cross and buried in a tomb. We're going to keep transforming into the image of Jesus because that's the kind of people that we are in Christ. There's this underlying thread of humility through this whole passage in Romans 12. And humility is the bedrock when it comes to worshipers and workers, let alone every other identity around that circle. Notice what verse 3 says. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he is, should think. It's a call to humility. When we think of ourselves in view of God's mercy, we see ourselves rightly as gracious receivers who are alongside one another in united togetherness. If we as God's people will clothe ourselves with humility before the Lord and before one another, then we will adopt the attitude of Christ who came to serve and not to be served, who came to extend mercy so that We might no longer be lost and dead in our sin, but found and made alive in Christ. Worship team could come back up. Church, we are gracious receivers of God's goodness and love displayed through His Son. May the love that we have been shown and continue to be shown motivate us to live lives of worship, to live lives of service, lives that ultimately glorify the Lord and lives that rely upon the strength of the Lord to live father God we are grateful that salvation is by grace and through faith we are grateful for the kind of people that you have transformed us that Ephesians 2 makes it clear we were dead lost and you've made us alive in Christ we have been found Thank You for extending to us mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And thank You that Your grace not only saves, but it transforms us. Remind us as Your people this week and in the months ahead and the years ahead that in view of the mercies of God that we have received, that we are called to worship You in an all-encompassing way. And we are called to join You in kingdom work and that You have gifted us for that work and that You have created good works in advance for us to do. Help us this week. Enable us by Your Spirit to live as worshipers and as workers in your, through Your strength and through Your power. I pray as a church that we would be an Ephesians 4 type of church that we'd be equipping people for work of ministry. Give us wisdom to do that. And I pray that that promise, that fulfillment there in Ephesians 4, that the body of Christ might be built up would happen at Crosspoint Community Church. It would happen in this area in the years ahead. We trust and love you. Help us, enable us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And may you conform us more and more into your image, and may you be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.